Welcome to the fifth episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition, we will take a look back at Patrick's predictions, review the NBA's action over the holiday season, and have a review of NFL Week 17 and a preview of the NFL playoffs. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's predictions. Patrick went 15-10, and 10, being 60% accurate in his college football bowl game predictions. Patrick, your thoughts on how you did predicting bowl games this year? Uh, overall, I think from the start, I kind of overestimated how hard of a bowl season this would be to pick. Uh, normally there are a lot of upsets, so I tried to account for that, tried to pick the most likely upsets, kind of took a look at some of those odds, and kind of said, huh, who, who could defy those, and ended up backfiring a little bit. I'm pretty sure all of the underdogs I picked did not win. If if there were any, there were they weren't underdogs by that many points. Picked a few, I picked against a lot of the SEC teams, especially the ones with losing records that somehow pulled out games. Maybe teams like Indiana didn't really want to be playing a 4-6 and six Ole Miss team. They thought they deserved better. But, you know, overall, still 15-10. and 10, I thought I did awfully and then looked back at it and didn't actually do so bad. So Yeah, 60% in this strange season is not too bad. Uh, were a lot of cases of teams that, once again, appeared uh, not to be interested in the game they were playing in, and it showed on the field. Uh, let's turn to college basketball, where you were a little better this past week, um, and you're the first of your weekend predictions, which you post every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. You predicted four college basketball games. Uh, one of those games, number 20, Duke versus number 18, Florida State, was postponed due to COVID, so you only had three predictions of games that were actually played. Uh, you correctly picked number five, Houston, to beat SMU. They won by a score of 74 to 60. Um, you correctly picked Iowa in, quote, a high-scoring close game uh, to beat Rutgers 77-75 in a battle between the number 10-rated Hawkeyes and the number 14-rated Scarlet Knights. So pretty good with that one. Uh, and number 8, Texas, upset number 3, Kansas, in a blowout, 84-59. to You did not see this big uh, upset blowout coming. Uh, Patrick had picked Kansas. So, again, Patrick went 2-1. and one in his NCAA hoops predictions uh, for this past week. Patrick, your thoughts? Yeah, first of all, I would like to say I am very disappointed that Duke-Florida State game got postponed. There was also a Virginia-Virginia Tech game that got postponed in the ACC. Those were going to be some interesting games. Some of those ranked teams get a little measuring stick game for them. That would have been interesting, but uh, unfortunately they got postponed. And uh, Houston went from undefeated, got their first loss this week, Earlier in this week, and uh, I expected them to get that bounce back. They did. SMU uh, competed pretty well in this one, but, you know, end score doesn't really show it, but they they, had, they kept it close. Um, Iowa, I guess I picked that pretty much exactly right. Those teams do love to score. I don't, they don't really have the most dominant defenses to stop each other. But I would say I, I don't know what happened with Kansas, to be quite honest. I don't know how they lost by this much. I was watching the game. It did, it honestly didn't look like it was ever to the point where they were getting destroyed by this much, but maybe that's because I turned it off when they were down by double digits. Well, let's turn to your NFL predictions. Uh, the Giants beat the Cowboys 23-19. to Patrick had picked the Cowboys. Similarly, the Rams beat the Cardinals 18-7. to Patrick picked the Cardinals, so 0-2 there. However, the Patrick, however, Patrick correctly picked the Packers over the Bears. The Packers prevailed 35-16. to And Patrick correctly picked the Washington football team to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. That final score 
was 20 to 14, resulting in Patrick going two and two uh, for the week in NFL predictions. We'll dive into the NFL more deeply later in the podcast. But Patrick, any quick thoughts on your picks? Uh, I would like to say I have two things that I never do. I will never pick a team with a backup quarterback starting, and I should never pick the Cowboys. I went against one of those. It backfired. I went with the other one, and it also backfired. But hey, if I keep picking the Rams to lose and they keep winning, I'm happy. Well, let's move to the NBA. Finally, uh, the last installment of your picks here. The Suns beat the Nuggets 106-103, to and Patrick correctly picked the Suns uh, in the January 1 meeting between the Trailblazers and the Warriors. Uh, Patrick picked the, quote, Trailblazers to cruise in a win, and that they did, beating the Warriors 123-98 to in the initial matchup of those two teams. The Mavericks beat the Heat 93-83. to Patrick incorrectly had the Heat in this one, and Patrick correctly, pe- correctly picked the Jazz to beat the Spurs. That final score was 130-109, to resulting in you going 3-1 and for your NBA predictions for the week. What do you think about uh, your NBA prognostications? Uh, I don't think any of these games were particularly hard to pick. I mean, I tried to pick the best teams that were playing each other. There are a lot of bad teams playing very, very good teams this week, so it was hard to find some interesting games that weren't repeats. But, uh, you know, the Suns the Suns had a great start to the season. The Blazers are having a pretty decent start. Um, the Mavericks and the Heat are both struggling. I thought the Heat might be struggling just a little bit less. but And the Spurs had a great start, but they're really sputtering since then. So Patrick was seven and four overall this week in his prediction, which brings his overall total to fifteen and eight. As a reminder, uh, Patrick's predictions for the upcoming weekends are always posted on our website on Thursdays. So please visit fourthand24.com for his next predictions this coming Thursday. Let's turn our attention now to the NBA. Who were your most impressive three teams of the last week and a half's worth of action? The first team I'm going to go with are the Phoenix Suns. They had wins over the Sacramento Kings, New Orleans Pelicans, Utah Jazz, and Denver Nuggets, and their losses were to the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, The reason why I'm going to go with the Suns in this one is because they played some very good teams, and I did not expect them to go 4-2 in this span. I think especially the teams who they beat, they beat the Nuggets really easily. They beat the Jazz. They beat the Pelicans. Those are some good teams right there, and then they split the two games with the Kings, but that's been a trend in the NBA that whenever these teams play each other two in a row, they always seem to split the games. I don't know why they're playing each other twice in a row, but probably something to do with COVID. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with them as the first most impressive team because that 4-2 and two record really shows a lot with that schedule, especially in the West. And uh, your number two team? My number two team is the Philadelphia 76ers. They are 4-1 and one this week. Uh, they didn't really play the cream of the crop opponents. They played the Knicks, the Raptors, the Magic, the Hornets, and the Cavs. They only lost to the Cavaliers. Uh, you know, not, again, not the best opponents, but this team so far is on fire. They have the best record in the NBA to date, and that is definitely very, very impressive. And your third most impressive team? That would be the Atlanta Hawks. They, again, I've talked about this. They go, they went one and one, splitting that back to back with the Brooklyn Nets, and they have wins over the Grizzlies and Pistons, and then one loss to the Cavaliers. Uh, I would say this team is impressive because they are one of the middle teams in the NBA. There's a bunch of teams sitting around a three and two, two and three, three and three kind of uh, record. They are one of the teams that maybe wasn't supposed to be 
in that middle tier, and they're instead climbing up it. And uh, a win over the Nets is always impressive with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, so had to put them in there. Let's turn to your three most disappointing teams of the uh, last week and a half's worth of action. The first one is going to be the Brooklyn Nets, as I just we just talked about their one win of the week uh, against the Hawks, but they are overall were one and four this week, and not against great opponents either. They lost to the Hornets, the Grizzlies. They lost that second game to the Hawks. And lost a game to the Wizards. Uh, Russell Westbrook getting some revenge on Kevin Durant in that one for Oklahoma City a long time ago. But anyway, they overall going one and four with this schedule is really awful considering the two stars they have in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Not something you would expect from this team. They're not supposed to be three and four at this point in the season. Yeah, and it doesn't help that it looks like Kevin Durant uh, maybe out for the next four games or so with COVID related complications. Let's talk about a, another team uh, that's in your most disappointing teams of the week, number two, another team that had a split on those COVID-related travel-minimizing back-to-backs, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks completely destroyed the Heat in the first game, setting an NBA record, I'm pretty sure, for three-pointers, and then they lost the second game. They lost to the Knicks this week, and they beat the Bulls overall 2-2. Two and two. This is... For the team that's the preseason favorite to win the East, uh, the Heat, the split with the Heat is okay, but they really need to be blowing out these really bad teams in the East, and they're really just not doing it. They're only three and three on the season. They have they went two and two in this week, and that's just it's just not a good showing from them so far. And what about your number three most disappointing team? This is the Raptors. They are on this list again because this team needs to be playing a lot better than they are. They have playoff aspirations, but you cannot be in the playoffs if you only beat the Knicks every week and you lose to the Spurs, the Sixers, and the Pelicans. That is a lot of elevated competition right there, but if they want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to beat some good teams when they get there. So the Spurs not even in the playoff picture. The Pelicans are on the fringe. Sixers are obviously a top team, but they really should be doing better than 1-3 and three against these not-so-quality opponents. Right, well, let's shift gears a little bit and take a look at the season overall so far. What three teams are uh, exceeding preseason expectations in your mind? Uh, the first one I'm going to go with are the Sacramento Kings. They have beaten the Denver Nuggets twice. They seem to be their kryptonite. And they have beaten the Suns once. Their losses are to the Suns and the Rocket twice. So they're the kryptonite of the Denver Nuggets. And their own kryptonite are the Houston Rockets. Uh, overall, they have played six top teams from last year, six playoff teams this year. And 3-3 three and three for a team that didn't make the playoffs and wasn't really that close is pretty good considering the competition they're playing. I would say I expected them to maybe only scratch out one or two wins in this span. So, hey, the three wins, it's pretty good. What's another surprising team who's exceeding uh, what you thought for them at the beginning of the year? Or what uh, others thought also? I would say the Cavaliers, I thought they'd be honestly the worst or the second worst team in the league. I think in my power rankings, I at most, I think I had them at 27th. Um, they haven't beaten the best teams in the world. They've beaten some of the teams that I had even lower than them over the uh, Hornets and the Pistons. However, they have given the Philadelphia 76ers their only loss of the year, and they have given the Hawks one of their two losses, and they've lost to the Knicks and the Pacers. So overall... A little bit inconsistent, but 4-2 for the Cleveland Cavaliers after picking in the top five of last year's draft isn't too bad after all. 
And your third uh, team exceeding preseason expectations to this point. I would say the Phoenix Suns. Uh, similar to the Sacramento Kings, they've had a very hard schedule to start the year. A lot of playoff teams, a lot of top teams in the West. I already talked about how they split that uh, two-game split with the uh, Sacramento Kings. They lost a very close game a few nights ago to the Clippers, but they've also beaten the Mavericks, the Pelicans, the Jazz, and the Nuggets. Overall, they're 5-2. and two. They're tied for tops in the West. I did not expect them to be this good. I definitely expected that new backcourt with Devin Booker and Chris Paul to be very, very good, but I did not expect this team contending so so heavily with these top teams. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. What about those three NBA teams that are underperforming preseason expectations in your mind? Well, the team that has been on the most disappointing teams list twice out of two weeks, the Raptors, obviously, their only win on the season is against the New York Knicks. I mean, what are they doing? They have, they've lost to the Pelicans twice, they've lost to the Spurs, and they've lost to the 76ers. This is very bad for a team that has been in the playoffs for probably near 10 years straight at this point, and also is two years removed from a title, though obviously a much different roster from that. Yeah, not a, not a very impressive 1-4 opening for the Raptors. Another team with an unimpressive uh, opening in your mind is? The Dallas Mavericks. They are 2-4. and four. Their losses are uh, they're pretty much excusable to the Suns and the Lakers. I mean, those were games that, especially without Kristaps Porzingis, they weren't really expected to win. But they've also lost to the Bulls and the Hornets, who, you know, the top Western team shouldn't really be losing much to any team in the East, let alone some of the bottom feeders. Their only saving grace so far in the season is that they had an NBA record. They were up by 50 at the half on the Clippers, and they beat the Heat. But other than that, this team has not looked that great. All right, and give me one more team that's underperforming to date. I would say the Nuggets. I talked about them being having the Kings as their kryptonite earlier. That's not a good look. A team that didn't make the playoffs last year should not be your kryptonite, especially when you are the Western Conference finalists from last season, along with the Lakers. And they also lost to the Clippers and the Suns, and they have only beaten the Rockets and the Timberwolves. Yes, they have played some good competition, but in this in this span, I would expect their record to be something like 4-2 and two rather than 2-4, and four, especially considering their expectations and not really having any injuries to hold them back. Well, let's, let's end our look at the NBA on a positive note. Um, who is your player of the week? My player of the week this week has to be Steph Curry from Golden State. He averaged 38.8 points, 5 rebounds, and 5.5 and assists on 51% shooting and 98% free throw shooting. This included 62 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists on 58% shooting against the Blazers on January 3rd. He had a great game. That He's the second oldest player to score over 60, and that is a new career high for Steph. And that wraps up our NBA recap this week. Now let's turn our attention to a review of NFL Week 17 action and a preview of the NFL playoffs, which have a little different look this year. Uh, there are seven playoff teams in each conference, four division winners plus three wild cards, meaning there's an extra wild card team. As a result of that, uh, only the number one seed in each conference gets a bye instead of traditional bye weeks for number one and number two teams. And that means we have six playoff games in wild card weekend as opposed to the usual four in what the NFL is calling Super Wild Card Weekend with playoff triple headers on both Saturday and Sunday next weekend. With that overview of what was at stake in Week 17, let's start with AFC action, where heading into the weekend, the Chiefs had clinched the number one seed, and the Bills in the East and the Steelers in the North had clinched their divisions. The Bills beat the Dolphins 56-26 to 
to move to a 13-3 and season record and clinch the number two seed in the AFC. Patrick, your thoughts on this game? All-out domination by the Bills. Even the second unit, all the scrubs, the bench players, even they picked off Tua in this game. Uh, not a good look for the Dolphins heading into the playoffs if they're trying to be in them. And we'll get to whether or not the Dolphins successfully made the playoffs with a recap of the rest of the action. Um, the AFC South title in the number four seed and three wildcard spots remained up for grabs. Uh, the Titans earned the AFC South title and a number four seed in the AFC with a 41-38 to win over Houston. Patrick, thoughts on this game? Yeah, Houston was one of the few teams that actually is tanking for draft position but really tried to win their game this week. Deshaun Watson drove his team down, tried to kick a game-winning field goal or a game-tying field goal. They thought they had the, the field goal that would send it into overtime, but instead they somehow allowed 60 yards in 14 seconds only for the Titans to bank shot in a field goal for the win and the division title win. And that, plus the Colts' 28-14 win over Jacksonville, put the Colts in as the last AFC wild card and the number 7 seed with an 11-5 record, eliminating the Dolphins from the playoffs. Yeah, that extra help from the Dolphins uh, came in handy for the Colts. They ended up taking care of their own business, and they get into the playoffs. They're, we'll, we'll talk more about this later, but they, they're, they're a decent team. They're looking up into the playoffs. In other action uh, impacting the wild card, the Ravens beat Cincinnati 38-3 to earn the top wild card spot and the number five seed. Yeah, of course the Ravens are beating Cincinnati with a playoff spot on the line. It's just another sign of Baltimore's dominance over the AFC North in under this ownership. They've always been successful, and they always close out the games when they need to. And finally, the Browns beat the Steelers 24-22, to which gave the Browns their first playoff berth since 2002. They will be the number six seed in the AFC, where they will have a rematch with the Steelers, who uh, captured the number three seed as winner of the AFC North despite the loss. Patrick, your thoughts? Uh, the Browns win this one over a backup quarterback, Mason Rudolph, for the Steelers, and a lot of starters out of the game. Uh, not the greatest look to only win this game by two, but you know what? The w- a win is a win, and the Browns will take any win that puts them in the playoffs since they've been waiting the last 18 years for this one. Well, so the AFC playoff bracket will look like this. As mentioned before, the Kansas City Chiefs have clinched the number one seed in the AFC So they will have a bye next week, and they will host the lowest remaining seed in the AFC Divisional Round. The AFC wildcard weekend action will kick off Saturday at 1.05 with the number 2 Buffalo Bills hosting the number 7 Indianapolis Colts. As we mentioned in a rematch of Week 17, number number 6-seeded Cleveland will be at number 3-seeded Pittsburgh on Sunday at 8.15. And Sunday afternoon at 1.05 Eastern Time, number 5 Baltimore will be at number four, Tennessee. Patrick, what are your initial thoughts regarding the AFC playoffs? I am most intrigued in this one for Baltimore at Tennessee. Baltimore lost to Tennessee to end their season last year when they were 14-2 and in the regular season, and Tennessee squeaked into the playoffs. Baltimore looking for some revenge. They also lost them earlier in the regular season, 30-24. to This is a key rematch. It's going to be very, very important um, to both teams. Then you have the divisional rivals with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Pittsburgh destroyed Cleveland in the first matchup. Cleveland, as we just said, barely beat Pittsburgh in the second, even though Pittsburgh was resting players. And Buffalo and Indianapolis have not played each other yet, but uh, I think Buffalo has the clear edge in that one. But 
I think overall the AFC is really, really stacked. I think the fact that all the seeds four through seven are eleven and five, and you had a ten and six team miss the playoffs, it's just crazy. Thank God for an expanded playoff format because an eleven and five team does not deserve to miss the playoffs. Yeah, without any rooting interest here, I'm just intrigued because this just looks to be very tightly packed teams and seeds two through seven. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out next weekend, and we'll actually have our predictions about the first weekend of the NFL playoffs and our Super Bowl picks on our next podcast, so stay tuned for that. Let's turn our attention to the NFC action where heading into Week 17, the Packers, the Saints, and the Seahawks had clinched their respective division titles and were all vying for the number one seed and a first-round bye. The Packers defeated the Chicago Bears 35-16. to The Saints beat the Panthers 33-7. to And Seattle rallied to beat the 49ers 26-23, so Patrick, how did all this shake out with those results? The Packers clinched the one seed as a result of their win. The Saints got the two seed, and Seattle was locked into the three seed even with their win. So that leaves the race for the NFC East title and the number four seed. Uh, the Giants defeated the Cowboys 23-19, meaning that if the Washington football team lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in the Sunday night game, the Giants would win the East and the number four seed with a 6-10 and ten record. Patrick? Yeah, this game was a crazy one. The Cowboys should have challenged a catch that led to a 50-yard field goal. It would have been a 60-yard field goal instead that the Giants wouldn't have kicked. And then in the end, through an interception in a situation where they would have been kicking a field goal to win the game. Typical Cowboys choking everything away. However, Washington defeated the Eagles 20-14 to clinch the NFC East with a 7-9 and nine record, so it rendered the Cowboys bungling irrelevant. Patrick, your thoughts on the Washington-Philadelphia game. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess I'll stop dogging on the Cowboys because it didn't matter. But I will dog on the Eagles. What are you doing putting in Nick Sudafed, whatever his name is, Sudfeld, I don't really care. You know that Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback that you have. You had Carson Wentz inactive for this game. Really brings into question if you were actually trying to win this game or not. I think the whole world knows that you were not. I've seen Chiefs players talking about it all day especially their defensive starters, that Jalen Hurts is a legit player and Nick Sudfeld really just is not giving that team, as Doug Peterson said, the best chance to win. This really wasn't a good look for the NFL. They made this a showcase game, national television audience, and then even the announcers are making sort of a mockery of how Philadelphia approached the end of the game. The real shame here is it took away from what should be a really inspiring story, actually two of them, regarding the Washington football team with Ron Rivera overcoming his battle with cancer during the year, and of course Alex Smith's comeback from a near-career-ending, near-amputation-causing injury to uh, lead the Washington football team to the playoffs. So uh, really a shame uh, that the conversation is about Philadelphia effectively tanking that game as opposed to the achievements of Washington and Ron Rivera and Alex Smith. Uh, In any event, the Washington victory sets up a meeting between Washington as the number four seed and the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who'd locked up a wild-card spot prior to Week 17, and closed out the season with a 44-27 win over the Atlanta Falcons to move to 11-5 on the year and lock up the number 5 seed in the NFC West. Uh, with that being said, that left the Rams, Bears, and Cardinals vying for the remaining two wild cards, and in a critical game for that wild card positioning, the Rams defeated the Cardinals 18-7 to finish the season 10-6 and grab the number, seven seed, number 6 seed in the NFC. Patrick? 
Uh, the name John Wolford will always haunt Cardinals fans forever. The man in the way of their playoff chances was a backup quarterback with their young star of their own. Unfortunately, Kyler Murray gets injured on the first series of this game, and he's out, and it turns into a battle of Chris Strebler, the former CFL champion, and John Wolford, the former Wake Forest quarterback, the battle of the backups. But the Rams' defense comes up with a pick six, outscores every other unit on the field on their own, and grabs the win for the Rams. And the Cardinals' loss dropped them to 8-8, eight and eight, and that resulted in the 8-8 eight eight Bears getting the last NFC wild card and the number seven seed in the NFC despite their loss to the Packers. So that means the NFC playoff bracket looks like this. As we mentioned, number one Green Bay gets a bye and will play the lowest remaining seed after the opening weekend. The number two seeded Saints will host the number seven seeded Bears Sunday at 4:40 Eastern Time. The number three seeded Seattle Seahawks, say that seven times fast, will host the number six seeded Los Angeles Rams Saturday at 4:40 Eastern Time. And wrapping up Saturday's action, number five Tampa Bay will be at number four Washington at 8:15 Eastern Time. Patrick, your thoughts on the NFC playoff bracket? The NFC playoffs have a lot of good single units, but maybe not as deep as the AFC in terms of complete teams. You have the Washington uh, front four, which is among the best in the NFL, but the rest of the team, a little shaky. Again, the Rams and their defense, also a great unit. Uh, The rest of the team, again, a little shaky. And you have the Bears, who also have a great defense, but maybe the offense is a little shaky. So, I mean... The Green Bay Packers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Seattle Seahawks seem to be the most complete teams with Tampa Bay kind of in the middle of that. And uh, I think this one's honestly as wide open as the AFC, though the quality of teams might be a little bit lower overall, especially at the top. Yeah, I just think this this league comes down to teams who have quarterbacks and teams that don't, either actually do not really having quality quarterbacks or quarterbacks being injured. So I think that's going to be the story of these playoffs. We'll see. Uh, what how the action unfolds and again we'll be back with our predictions in our next podcast let's turn our attention to the uh, nfl season ending leaders starting with passing yards uh, deshaun watson led the nfl with 4,823 yards beating out patrick mahomes by 83 yards patrick your thoughts on this uh unfortunately patrick mahomes should have had 5,000 yards this year if it weren't for him resting because he was too good for the rest of the nfl and they only had one loss all season Chiefs rested three starters, and that kind of tanked their record chances. But, hey, Deshaun Watson, thanks for the carry on my fantasy team. (laughs) And as far as uh, leaders for the season in touchdown passes, well, it was Aaron Rodgers with 48 touchdown passes, eight more than both Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. And on a related note, the NFL leader in touchdown receptions was Aaron Rodgers' favorite TD target, Devontae Adams, with 18 touchdown receptions on the season. Patrick, your thoughts? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams is one of the probably the best combo in the NFL. Maybe a second to Patrick Mahomes to either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, but you can go either way on that one. I have Aaron Rodgers as my MVP too. Devontae Adams is just all around amazing. He even missed two games and still got this record. It's he had an insane season this season. Well, and the other thing, remarkable thing about Aaron Rodgers: forty-eight touchdown passes and his overall performance. He only threw five interceptions all season. Uh, I think most quarterbacks would take a 48-5 to touchdown-to-interception ratio uh, anytime. Let's turn our attention to the receiving side of the ball uh, beyond touchdown receptions. The leader in both uh, receptions and in receiving yards was Stephon Diggs. Diggs had 127 receptions, 12 more than DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. 
and had 1,535 receiving yards, 119 more than Travis Kelsey. Patrick, your thoughts on Stephon Diggs this season? Uh, we just mentioned two receivers that were traded from their former teams in the offseason. Both of those teams, well, one of them is going to the playoffs, one of them is not, and the teams they traded them from are not doing well at all. Obviously, Stephon Diggs got traded from the Vikings. Maybe not the smartest trade. Maybe something having to do with them not throwing that much. And uh, DeAndre Hopkins, that was an awful trade by Houston. But moving on from that one, there was also the fact that Justin Jefferson led the league in rookie reception yards. So, hey, maybe the, maybe the Vikings had a reason for getting rid of Stephon Diggs. They like Justin Jefferson. Well, let's turn our attention to the, to the rushing side of the ball. Derrick Henry led the NFL in rushing yards with 2,027 yards in the season, 470 yards more than second place Dalvin Cook, and 850 yards ahead of third place Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, this one was not very, very close at all. Derrick Henry is the rushing king. He is the seventh player to reach 2,000 yards. He also led the league in rushing touchdowns this year, and he's the first player, I believe, since 1967 to lead the league in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns in consecutive seasons. Derrick Henry is a monster, and, I mean, there's just nothing else to say about it. At least, hey, Jonathan Taylor, good for you getting third when you were part of a running back committee and also a rookie. Yeah, as you mentioned, Henry also led the league with 17 rushing touchdowns, one ahead of Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. So another fantastic season for Derrick Henry. Let's see what he does in the playoffs. I think he'll be a force to be reckoned with there, too. Let's turn our attention Briefly to the defensive side of the ball, where somebody with the last name of Watt led the league in sacks with 15, but Patrick, who was it? It was TJ this year. Uh, JJ, you know, a little bit older at this point, but TJ's still carrying that family mental on the Steelers. It's working perfectly. The Steelers are in a great position, I think, with that defense anchored by TJ Watt. And finally, the league leader in interceptions was Xavier Howard with 10. Yeah, unfortunately, his 10 interceptions were just the amount of wins that they had, and maybe if he had 11 interceptions and they had 11 wins, they'd be in the playoffs, but unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way for Miami. And that wraps up our look at the NFL and our podcast for the week. Our next podcast will be on Friday, January 8th, where we will have that aforementioned in-depth look at the NFL wildcard weekend and NFL playoff predictions. In the meantime, be sure to submit any questions or comments you might have or topics you would like to hear discussed, to our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. And also check out Patrick's additional content on the website, which includes his NCAA tournament bracket predictions, as well as on Thursday, his predictions for the weekend. Thank you for listening.